Uh, welcome everyone. And to, today, the name of this talk is Bomb Dialogue. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but Ben will correct it and get it right. And Bomb Dialogue. Bomb Dialogue. And so, uh, Ben, uh, so we're, we're really fortunate today to have Ben uh, speak to us and teach us today. And Ben's been a friend of mine since the early 70s, a lifelong friend and a major reason that I'm in the Prosperos. We first met at Fordham University, and I believe it was either an FYL or a fourth way tape series that was in pro that I joined. And shortly after, came across the country with men and teaching as we came across. And men's never stopped teaching. He's been teaching for his whole life and also learning, which is which is uh, something that we're all doing. And so, uh, as most of you know, Ben is an amazing, loving human being. And uh, if you're new and you don't know that, get to know Ben because you're going to be a super happy person by getting to know Ben more and, uh, of course, coming to all of his classes. Any class that Ben does or talk, you just have to have to make it. His perspectives are amazing. And he always is delivering the uh, wealth of knowledge that he's accumulated over the years in his continuous study. So with that, I give you Ben Gilberti. Well, thank you, Hugh John. I don't know who you were talking about, but he sounds like <laughs> an interesting guy. Um, all right, guys, let me, um, let me start this off. I'm going to start off sharing my screen. Um, the whole thing about David Bohm and everything he did had to do with connection. To begin with, he was a quantum physicist, one of the best, actually. And um, what people know, what the physicists know about the, about quantum mechanics is that um, there is no such thing as separate particles. Everything is part of a whole. They call that non-locality. But Bohm was the only one who said to himself, well, no, on the quantum level, whatever's real there is one of the most fundamental facts of reality because it's beyond our um, prejudices or beliefs, it's fact. So then he said, well, if wholeness and interconnection is fact, then why, why isn't human interaction like that? Why is human interaction fragmented? And after thinking about it for a long time, and by the way, working with um, Krishna Murti about it, he figured, well, the best way to handle this is to have people come together and have a dialogue, a dialogue that uh, would be structured in such a way that the uh, separateness of people would gradually dissolve and people would discover um, the oneness that just as in quantum mechanics was an actual fact 
of their relation to each other. David Bohm developed a philosophy of dialogue out of his observation that one of the reasons for the many crises we face as a global society is fragmentation. Our societies, organizations, and even ourselves are fragmented. We have lost sight of the whole and that all living things are interconnected, interdependent, and interrelated. So today I'm gonna uh, cover a few things here. The enormous significance of bone dialogue and on the scientific level, now I'm not gonna kill you with science, but um, his, um, his uh, view of quantum mechanics resulted in the discovery of something called quantum, quantum potential which is related to his implicate order. And it has enormous power. You may remember that in the early 70s, Thane would speak of uh, the enormous power that David Bohm discovered in the, the, uh, in the vacuum. And uh, Thane said that, which is exactly what Bohm says, that every cubic centimeter of vacuum has more energy in it than the whole universe. Or you can say the whole, the energy of the whole universe is, is everywhere. Now related to this is entanglement and non-locality. That is the, um, that's the, um, those are the principles of physics that make for wholeness. And, and interconnection with everything, universal connection, making the connectedness that is actual in quantum physics, this is what he intended to, to do and what he did, making the connectedness that is actual in quantum physics actual on the human level of existence through dialogue. And it works to overcome the devastating problem of fragmentation in our society. Well, I don't know. I think I'm going to skip this. It's more science about non-locality. Uh, better to just say it's it's scientifically it's based on scientific fact. Now. He wrote a book called Wholeness and the Implicate Order. And his view was that what we see and what we experience of the universe is the explicate order. It's the manifestation of a, um, a sea of universal intelligence and principle out of which the explicate order arises. And this is called the implicate order. It's everywhere and it's infinite, particularly it's infinite consciousness. Now, this is so important that um, there's a very short video here, two minutes that I wanna play. 
Well, reality would mean something that would have some existence independently of being known. You say, to say it might be that we would know it, but it did not require that we know it yeah. in order to exist. Yeah. Now, I tried to get some idea of what might be the process which was implied by the mathematics of the quantum field. And this process is what I call enfoldment, but the mathematics itself suggests a movement in which everything in which any particular element of space may have a field which unfolds into the whole and, and, and the whole folds and enfolds into it. So you have this movement and uh, I call this the implicate or enfolded order which unfolds into the explicit order where everything is separate. Now the implicate order, everything is internally related to everything. Everything contains everything, right? So everybody has a, many experiences of this implicit order. The most obvious one is ordinary consciousness, where consciousness enfolds everything that you know or see, right? Uh, so you're not acting me mechanistically in the sense of being pushed and pulled by objects in the surroundings, but rather according to your consciousness of them, you act. Uh, so the consciousness is really our most immediate uh, experience of, of this implicit order. And you may think of nets of consciousness that are finer and finer, or we may think of capturing finer and finer aspects of the implicate order. I think there's an, an intelligence that's, uh, in, that's an implicit there, you see, to say that, that a kind of intelligence unfolds. The source of intelligence is not necessarily in the brain, you see, the ultimate source, of it, but uh, much more uh, enfolded into the whole. Now, uh, the question of what do you want to call it God, that depends on what you mean by the word, you see, because uh, uh, taking it as a personal God might restrict it in some way. Okay, well, so that gives a little more clarity to what is meant by the implicate and explicate order. Let's see here, what's next? Okay, now, um, very recently, a um, full feature film an hour and 15 minutes was created called Infinite Potential, The Life and Ideas of David Bohm. Yeah, it's a featured documentary about the man Einstein, the man Einstein called his spiritual son, and the Dalai Lama called his science guru. Yeah, he's a brilliant physicist and explorer of consciousness. Bohm's incredible insights into the underlying nature of reality and the profound interconnectedness of the universe and our place within it are truly transformational. He invites us on a journey into the heart of our being, into consciousness itself. And this is, this is what happens in Bohm dialogue. Now, um, there were some, um, what do they call them now? Um, trailers for Good this film. Uh, but I found out that the first two minutes of the actual film is better than any of the trailers. So that's why I'm going to play two minutes of his film. younger I felt that in the beginning that science would surely be a source of benefiting mankind 
and <laughs> I had no question about it. I began to feel that something beyond science would be needed to approach this question. It was a, a night and we were walking under the stars, the black sky, and he looked up to the stars and he said, Ordinarily, when we look to the sky and look to the stars, we think of stars as objects far out and vast spaces between them. He said, there's another way we can look at it. We can look at the vacuum, at the emptiness, instead as a plenum, as infinitely full rather than infinitely empty. And that the material objects themselves are like little bubbles, little vacancies in this vast sea. So David Bohm, in a sense, was using that view to have me look at the stars and to have a sense of the night sky all of a sudden in a different way, as one whole living organism. And these little bits that we call matter is sort of just little holes in it. often mention just one other aspect of this, that this plenum, in a cubic centimeter of the plenum, there is more uh, energy matter than in the entire visible universe. David Bohm was a physicist, philosopher, explorer of consciousness. The man Einstein called his spiritual son and the Dalai Lama, his science guru. But his ideas were a threat to his peers in the science community, as well as to the government. As a result, he would pay a great price for sharing them at a time in history that was fraught, and with a world that was not ready to receive them. Okay, so there you go. Um, now, these links, particularly the link to this movie, um, you might want to have. So what I'm going to do, I think I have emails, email addresses for all of you. If you think I don't have an email address for you, then put it in the chat. Put it in the chat box. Okay, so there you go. That's the film. Now, here's another strong piece of evidence that his ideas are being applied very widely and in, in great depth. Um, the Action Dialogue Group is all about instantiating the principles discovered by David Bohm into the um, into uh, groups immersed in his style of dialogue. So here, in this 30-hour, nine-session online workshop, now, when they meet, they, they, they meet for three hours at a time. Okay. So this first segment, 30, which turns out to be 30 hours total, only cost you the low, low price of $1,500. And then... Um, when you've done that, you've graduated to this level, um, 10 sessions, three hours each. 
dialogue application design and facilitation and this is only $1,800. And then you graduate to this, um, the art and practice of Bohm inspired dialogue, which is what we're gonna do today for $2,800. So the total is 6,100 and I'm not charging anything. Well, actually that's a distortion. <laughs> We're only doing one hour and um, I figured out that each hour uh, presented by this organization comes to around um, $61, so each hour, okay. So that's interesting. Let's see what else we can find that's interesting. Suppose we were able to share meanings freely without a compulsive urge to impose our view or conform to those of others and without distortion and self-deception, would this not constitute a real revolution in culture? He was very, very deeply interested in that because he, you know, there was such a radical difference between the wholeness and perfection of quantum physics and the way, uh, and, and human society. So what is dialogue in itself? The spirit of dialogue is one of free play, a sort of collective dance of the mind that nevertheless has immense power and reveals coherent purpose. Once begun, once begun it becomes continuing adventure that can open the way to significant and creative change. Now here's a little video, two minutes. Dialogue is an invitation for a new way of being and communicating with each other. One that does not argue or seek to be right, but one that brings the intention of listening and understanding where we can uncover our assumptions and biases without judgment, where we can be in a space of inclusion and non-hierarchy, where we are all able to be seen, heard and appreciated. We live in a world of increased judgment, division and anger towards each other. Dialogue allows us to create a space of curiosity and openness, where we can acknowledge that we don't have all the answers that we live in an uncertain world. Dialogue is something creative. By sharing our experiences, we can create meaning together and allow new thinking to emerge. We open ourselves up to the possibility of change. Change cannot be imposed. It needs to be created with people. We achieve this through the process of dialogue. So that was very nice. Okay, now we're gonna get into the principles of dialogue that you will, you will apply when we open this up to dialogue. Now, you know, I'm chewing up so much time in um, explaining all this that we won't have that much time. I mean, when it's done professionally, they meet for three hours. So um, 
you know, it's uh, having such a short period of time today is not is not able to accomplish that much. It it could be very good, but um, only um, a drop in the ocean, so to speak. So um, I'm hoping that what we present today uh, will launch, okay, um, a series of dialogues, perhaps like we did um, spontaneity through conversation every Saturday, something like that, if, if people are interested. Anyway, principles of dialogue, suspend assumptions, do not judge, observe and listen to one another, welcome differences and explore them, allow taboo subjects to be raised safely, listen to your inner voice, slow the discussion. This is extremely important. Um, search for the underlying meaning. Okay, that's all self-evident. Here we're getting in more depth. Participants agree that the group will get involved in a free play of ideas and completely undirected inquiry, creating the path while walking. Usually the path is already set up and we walk on it. Here we create the path while walking on it. <laughs> There will be no particular agenda, no decisions are to be made, no problems to be solved, no results to be achieved, no attempts made to change anything. There is only one task, to listen without prejudice to each other and pay attention to what is happening within oneself and within the group and everybody's contribution is welcome, valuable and valid. In other words, no idea, no assumption, however bizarre, mistaken, silly or mad it might, might appear, none of that is to be rejected. Now I mentioned uh, slowing down. One of the principles of dialogue is to slow the cadence Doing so creates space for pauses and silence and freeing ourselves from our typical frenetic pace. We speak slower. Now, when we launch into dialogue, there will inevitably be periods of time when no one is speaking. And usually when that happens, there's a feeling that this must uh, this must not go on. We hope someone speaks up. We feel an energy pushing us to speak. Well, we don't do this in Bohm Dialogue. You relax, you value, you value the silence. You know, it's pregnant with what will come next. Okay. Um, well, I'm going over time, so I don't know. I'll, this is uh, 13 minutes long. I'll play it at our next meeting. 
I want to show you this. This is the book, the definitive book about dialogue. Boom on dialogue. Um, I have it. Michael Zana has it. I recommend everyone get it. However, we have some good news here. The book is entirely available for free uh, on PDF. And it includes the entire book, okay? Easy to read and you can download it. You can download it. All right. So what did we have? The link I will send you, you know, get, I will send everyone these links, all of them. A dialogue can be considered as a free flow of meaning between people and communication in the sense of a stream that flows between banks. These banks are understood as representing the various points of view of participants. Now, this is very interesting because the various points of view, which is usually what, what constitutes dialogue is actually, that's not, that's not the stream of meaning. The various points of view are the banks <laughs> of the river within which there's a free flow of meaning. We'll see why that's the case soon. Real dialogue is where two or more people become willing to suspend their certainty in each other's presence. You know, if we're certain about something or certain about our opinion, well, we're very rigid and very attached to it. Dialogue is a way of observing collectively how hidden values and intentions can control our behavior and how unnoticed cultural differences can clash without our realizing what is occurring can therefore be seen as an arena in which collective learning takes place and out of which a sense of increased harmony, fellowship, and creativity can arise. So, you know, when, when we really do dialogue, and I hope we can do them like every week on Saturday or something, there's immense value that can... Um, result from that effort. Now, this is one of the most important things about dialogue. The basic idea is to be able to talk while suspending personal opinions as if you were holding them out in front of you, out in front of you and in front of the group for all to see their coherence, or incoherence. So you have to be vulnerable for the whole group to notice that something you're saying or sharing is incoherent. Okay, there's a decided difference between coherence and incoherence. And in, in bone dialogue, we're not saying Oh, every idea is as good as every other idea. No, 
two plus two equals five is not as good as two plus two equals four. There's an application and an activation of principle here. Okay, holding them out in front of you and the group for all to see their coherence or incoherence while neither suppressing them nor insisting on them nor trying to convince or persuade others of their value. Instead, we just want to understand. Bohm had a longtime friendship with um, Krishnamurti. Twenty years, they were uh, they had conversations, very value valued conversations for twenty years, and uh, they wrote some books together. Here's one, and uh, there were some books written about them, and here's one. Here's uh, Krishnamurti's view of dialogue. So he says, what we're going to attempt to do is to explore with freedom, freedom to inquire, freedom from any commitment, any intellectual, or whether intellectual or otherwise, freedom from any philosophy, from any dogma, so that the mind can look and a mind can only look or explore when it is not caught in its own problems or in its own hopes. I would say also in its own beliefs and its own conditioning. Oh, here we go. Um, well, I could, I could activate this link and you'll just see YouTube. There's a whole YouTube page uh, with, uh, created by the David Bohm Society. Um, and there's just tons of videos about him and of him. And then this is the link to the David Bohm Society itself, which is very interesting. And once again, you're going to all get these links. All right, now some people have uh, made these pretty, pretty slides here. I'll go through them. Dialogue promotes learning, growth, understanding, healing, and renewal. In dialogue, we create something new together. Listening may be the single most creative act we perform. We listen and create reality based on what we hear in each moment. Without listening, dialogue cannot exist. So this listening is so much more important in this type of dialogue. Listen to yourself, to your internal conversation and your own voice as you speak. Listen to others to identify what you see as important and to expand your own understanding. To listen deeply and fully to another requires focused attention and internal silence to listen from a position of neutrality and detachment. Hold on. With a willingness to consider all perspectives. Listen for collective themes, for, for the shared meaning the group is, continual, is continuously creating 
and for streams of meaning that may want to emerge. Your willingness to be vulnerable becomes a strength that helps others share responsibility with you and build their own confidence and self-reliance. Okay, now uh, I'm going to uh, set you up to launch into dialogue. Um, when you become aware of silence, see silence is really pregnant with meaning and everything else that needs to be valued instead of escaped. When you become aware of silence, immediately there is that state of inner still alertness. You are present. You have stepped out of thousands of years of collective human conditioning. As some of you are familiar with this, this is essential, by the way. Now, David Bohm was very clear that um, Bohm dialogue cannot work unless people work on themselves, unless they're coming to discover their true identity and let go of um, conditions, conditioned beliefs about who they are. So uh, what you inevitably have to do is shift your sense of identity from the person you experience, you'll experience yourself to be to the awareness that's aware of that experience. You're, what you fundamentally are is pure awareness. Forget this guy's name, you'll all recognize him. Always speak how you feel and never be sorry for being real. Okay, we're ready to go. Three things, listen, the most important thing is to listen. Another important thing is to slow down. And when there are periods of silence, appreciate them. Yeah, that's number three, appreciate and value silence. Okay, well, uh, listen, thanks everybody. Wait, before you go, Ben, um, I just want to remind everyone, we've got some events coming up next weekend. Oh yeah, go ahead. Dreaming and conversations with Calvin. And then in April, we've got a lot of excitement, which uh, Mara's gonna do a Sunday meeting on the 17th. We also have William Fenney doing the 11th hour dispatch. So, you know, be sure to go look at the website and, uh, you know, come to all the events as always. And then we'll also, you know, find out when Ben can schedule the next get together on this subject. And we'll, I'll put this in the, the chat now but everybody knows where to go to find the information. And then also, um, if um, you know, you've know you got uh, a sense of gratitude for the education you're learning, please make a contribution. And then also uh, volunteers are always needed and wanted. So if you're thinking you wanna get more involved in doing something to help the school uh, get the work that needs to be done and get the word out, um, just send an email to info at the prosperous.org or call any of us and we'll get you set up. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Great.